We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome on in. Joe Giglio's show here reacting to an Eagles victory 48-22 over the New York Giants in week 14. This team is 12-1 and now. 12-1 and this has been remarkable to watch this team do what they've done this year, and they are just lapping teams at this point. We're talking about a team that had a little lull in November and since then has just dominated. 48-22 over the Giants. The game never even felt that close. Giants got some garbage time points there. I mean, again, you look at some of the numbers for this game as Eagles move to 12-1, 27 first downs, 6 of 11, third down efficiency. They had 437 yards, 6.6 yards of play, held the Giants to less than five yards of play. Again, zero turnovers, only two penalties today, which was obviously an issue last week against the Titans, 253 rushing yards. I mean, you look at any metric, anything, or use your eyes, and you know what we're watching. We're watching the outstanding team. All right. A lot I want to get to on this episode. We'll end by looking ahead to the Bears. More on the nonsense from Football Power Index from ESPN saying the Cowboys are better. Just you're ridiculous that the Cowboys are better than the Eagles right now. Jalen Hurts' improvement, the defense, and how they how good they've gotten at stopping the run after that lull in November. Brandon Graham, what a day yesterday. Um, so a lot to touch on in this show. But I, here's the big picture thought I had watching the game and watching what this team has, has become. I think it is fair, very fair right now at this point to say we may be watching the greatest Eagles team of all time. And I put together a list of the five best Eagles teams in history. And I'm going to exclude 48-49, 1948-1949 for a second because a couple of reasons. Number one, if you're listening to this, I doubt. Now, if you are, I'd love to hear from you, but I doubt you watch that team, okay? I didn't watch that team. Likely you didn't watch that team. It's pre-Super Bowl era. I think it's fair to have an honorable mention for 48-49. NFL champions, you know, best point differential in Eagles history, all that. No, no question that they they deserve to be, you know, part of the discussion. We're talking about the greatest teams in the history of the franchise. But if we're just talking about in the Super Bowl era, the this Eagles team is up there with any that have ever played. And I think right now. And, and every every week things change across the NFL and, you know, teams change. But right now, I would put this Eagles team at number one. This is the best Eagles team we have ever seen. They're on the path to becoming the best Eagles team we've ever seen. Here's I, I ranked five teams, okay? And here's I ranked them. I'll go five through one and I'll explain why I have this Eagles team number one. So number five, I have the 2002 team. They're the only team on my, on my list here that – that that obviously has played a full season. You know this team has not yet, but that did not make the Super Bowl. 2002 team, of course, we remember it. You know, unfondly at the end, not fondly because of what happened in the NFC title game against the Bucks, last game at the Vet. But they had the best point differential any Eagles team had in the Super Bowl era. After Week Six, they only lost one meaningful game until January. Top five in points, top five in points allowed. They were favored in 14 of 18 games, including the playoffs. Uh, but it was a dominant team. I, I thought it was like the peak of that defense. You know, a couple of years later. Defense maybe wasn't quite as dominant, quite as young in their prime, uh, but it was like it all kind of coalesced. That 0-2 team should have been in the Super Bowl, obviously. Great football team. Number four, I went 1980. You know, the first NFC Championship team, beat the Cowboys to get there. 
finished six in points, scored number one in points allowed. It was a big-time defense. Raced out to an 11-1 start. They were favored at 16 of 19 games played before obviously losing the Super Bowl to the Raiders. Number three, I went with 4 You know, a team that talent-wise, top-end talent-wise, when you're talking about the Donovans, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the T.O.s, the Brian Dawkins, you know, <clears throat> I thought that team, <clears throat> excuse me, was as was as physically gifted and, and as talented as any Eagles team ever. And, you know, is it a, is it a knock to lose the championship game or the, the Super Bowl, excuse me, to to the, a dynasty Patriots team? You know, I, I'm not going to knock them. I'm not going to knock them down. I mean, they, they can't go any less than three. I mean, and if it wasn't for what happened in the last six years, they'd be at number one because until 2017, the 04 team was the best Eagles team that I ever watched. Number two is 2017. Um, and if you want to put them one still because they accomplished it, they won it, and this team and the 04 team did not, you know, this team hasn't had a chance yet, and, and the 04 team did not, then that's fine. But uh, oh, 17 I have as number two. Look, that team is probably the ultimate team in Eagles history. One through 53, they all contributed all the way down to Nick Foles winning a Super Bowl MVP as a backup quarterback. All the guys they lost through the year, all the good players they lost from Jason Peters to Jordan Hicks to Chris Maragos to the kicker to Carson Wentz. They lost so many players and just kept going. The depth of that roster is probably unlike anything we'll ever see. I also think they captured the city unlike any other team ever because they won, right? They won the Super Bowl. And it was it, they went from being a favorite to an underdog in the midst of a season. The parade, the Kelsey speech, 17, second best Eagles team ever. Uh, and the reason I have this year's team over that team is I feel like we're watching a more dominant F- outfit week in, week out right now with this particular Eagles team than we did in 2017. I thought they were more talented before the season. And they've did not they've done nothing to dissuade me from saying that they're just as good, if not better. So I, I mean, I came into the year, if you asked me to rank these teams before the season, I would have the, I would have had the 2017 Eagles number one. Well, through 13 games, this Eagles team has been better than that Eagles team was for the same juncture of the season. I, I know the biggest mountain is still to be climbed and, and to finish this thing and to get the number one seed and to win in the playoffs and to get to a Super Bowl. But I don't think we've ever seen a combination of quarterback play Outstanding skill players, offensive, defensive line, excellence, and week-to-week consistency from an Eagles team that we're watching right now. This is it. I mean, 12-1, and one, they're outscoring their opponents. The number one point differential in the NFL on pace to have a plus 180 point differential. We may have the MVP, coach of the year, executive of the year. It's ridiculous. They take the ball away. They have, the, they have the passer in the NFL with the highest passer rating. They have the most sacks, most takeaways. They can run the ball for 200 anytime they want. I mean, this is the most balanced, well-built, and, and highly functioning NFL team I've ever seen in Philadelphia. They're number one. I believe we're watching the greatest Eagles team of all time. And until I see them fall down, and I mean really fall, not just a weird fluky loss to Washington, I'm going to believe that. So an amazing Eagles team that just continues to roll here. And, and gives you reason to believe that they're, they're going to be in the Super Bowl in early February. All right. As for Jalen Hurts, you know, he is now the betting favorite to win the NFL MVP with good reason. He's had a better year than Patrick Mahomes. He's had a better year than Joe Burrow. He's had a better year top to bottom than Josh Allen. This guy is playing the position at such a high level, both physically and mentally, it is remarkable to watch him. And you know, I, I've, I've had a lot of superlatives for Jalen Hurts over the course of the season. I, I said, I believe that Jalen Hurts will go down as the best Eagles quarterback of all time. I believe we're watching the greatest individual single season by an Eagle player ever. But I have a new one for Jalen Hurts, you know, in terms of what he's become here. So 
I believe this version of Jalen Hurts, what we're watching, and when you and I think it was a great juxtaposition to watch Jalen Hurts yesterday. I'm doing this podcast on a Monday morning. Yesterday, Sunday afternoon at MetLife Stadium, and think back to what he did there a year ago. You know, Jalen Hurts last year at MetLife, I believe he threw for 129 yards last year. The Eagles scored seven points, and they lost that game, and he threw three interceptions. It was statistically the worst game that Jalen Hurts played in the NFL. That was last, I believe it was Thanksgiving weekend, you know, right around this time of year, maybe, you know, maybe one week different on the schedule. But that that was him last year in MetLife. I pulled it up right now. Eagles lose 13-7. He was 14 of 31, completed 45% of his passes. He had 129 passing yards, a 17.5 pass rating, 17.5 last year, 4.16 yards per attempt. And I know he had the drop by Rager at the end, but any way you slice it, it was awful quarterback play by Jalen Hurts just a little over one year ago. And then you watch what he did yesterday, and you watch Jalen Hurts' ability to take over that game yesterday, to, to with his mind, to put the players in the right position, to make the, the correct decisions, to throw down the field to you know A.J. Brown, to throw down the field to Devontae Smith, the one he threw right out of the cut on the out route to go get Quez Watkins for a first down. I mean, it's it's such high-level quarterback play right now. And then you add in his ability to run the football. Yesterday, a 109.2 passer rating, an 85.4 QBR. That's on a scale of, of 100. You throw in, of course, 77 yards rushing and a touchdown on the ground. High-level quarterback play. And I'm ready to say this. I have never seen an NFL player improve year over year like I have Jalen Hurts, ever. He is the most improved player in NFL history, in terms of what you are one year to the next. You know, we've seen guys take leaps. Josh Allen took a leap. But I, Jalen Hurts, the the mental and physical leap he's taken. You know, we, we saw some moments last year he made the physical plays. But the mental and physical leap, I think back less than a year ago, the, the playoff game in Tampa against the Bucks. When Jalen Hurts, you know, the Bucs players are on the side, he can't read it. He can't read defenses. Now, it doesn't matter what you throw at this guy. He's got it. He's got the answers to everything defenses throw at him. And he's so good, and this team's so dominant. He's not even playing full fourth quarters. The third game this season, Jalen Hurts has come off the field in the fourth quarter. And with good reason. I mean, with good reason. Why put him out there and put him, you know, susceptible to injury when the games are over? It almost feels like college football where you just take the best players off the field in the fourth quarter. Remarkable play right now by Jalen Hurts, who is as good as any quarterback in the National Football League. And uh, he's the MVP. If he doesn't win it, something is wrong. All right, let's talk about Jonathan Gannon and this defense. Maligned. Remember all the screaming and yelling? And I said it after I watched again. I was more worried about the defense, assuming the offense than the defense. And right now, there's no reason to be worried about anybody uh, because these teams, this team is so good. But how about the last two weeks? You know, we talked about this run defense and how it was scuffling a little bit in the month of November. And uh-oh, here comes the schedule. Look what's going to happen. They've got to face Saquon Barkley. They've got to face Derrick Henry. And it was back-to-back weeks at the beginning of December. Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley combined in the last two games, 20 carries for 58 yards. That's 2.9 yards a carry and zero touchdowns against the Eagles' run defense over the past two weeks. You can't play run defense better than the Giants have. You cannot do, and really the last two weeks, the only guys that moved the ball in them were quarterbacks, Tannehill a little bit, Daniel Jones a little bit. That's it. This team right now, their ability to stop the run, collapse the pocket, destroy offensive lines. It is a testament to Jonathan Gannon and have patience with the scheme, which the scheme works. And then it is, it is a testament to these guys and this just such a deep, 
defensive line group that they just rotate bodies in and they're all fresh. It's going to be such an advantage for them. We get to January when other teams are pushing and fighting with their five or six or seven or, you know, whatever defensive linemen and the Eagles have, you know, eight, nine guys that they rotate in and nobody has to play a ton of snaps. It is as accomplished as a group as I've ever seen. I think one day we'll look back and we'll kind of line the names up from the older guys who are almost done, Sue and Joseph and Fletcher, uh, Brandon, who I want to talk about in a second, to the younger guys who are just starting, specifically, of course, Jordan Davis. And we're going to say, man, think about all those guys on one in, you know, one group, one pass rush defensive line group. It, it's as good as it gets in the NFL. And Jonathan Gannon deserves credit for keeping everything calm. Right, like a lot of noise, outside noise, about how bad he is. That guy's going to be head coach in the NFL next year. And the Eagles will miss Jonathan Gannon when he's gone. He's done a really nice job. This defense, I have no fear. There's no fear. They're number one against the pass. And the last two weeks against big-time running backs, they've buckled down. They've bu- And you go back to the Jonathan Taylor one before that in, in Indianapolis where he got the one big run in the first drive, had a bunch of yards in the first drive, did nothing the rest of the game basically, including a fumble late in the game. So they faced, you know, probably maybe three of the top five, six, seven backs in the NFL over the past month, and they felt them all under 100. Last two have gotten nothing going, nothing. This defense, if if that we know all year they've stopped the pass, they've taken the football away. Now they're stopping the run. It's impossible to sustain offense against them when they play like this. Impossible with these corners and these edge rushers and this defensive line. It's nuts. I mean, it it really, really is is something to watch. This team, again, you, you don't get to be the best team in Eagles history without having this kind of balance to your team. It, it was it, it was it was something else to watch. It, it really was. It really was. And and I gotta say, you know, among the the players yesterday that did their thing, that really played their best football, how about Brandon Graham? I mean Brandon Graham yesterday became the oldest player with three sacks in a game. In the NFL, not just you know, Eagles. Since Dwight Freeney back in 2015, oldest Eagle with a three-sack game since William Fuller in 1996. He is now up to eight and a half sacks on the season. Brandon Graham is having an unbelievable comeback year after tearing his Achilles last year in the second game. And he's now only 10 games away from overtaking Brian Dawkins. Most games played by a Defensive player in Eagles history. Yesterday, four sat, four tackles, three tackles for loss, three sacks, three quarterback hits. Now, it's a testament to him how hard he's worked to come back. I remember I, I filled in for Angelo on the morning show, uh, you know, sometime back in the spring. And I was lucky enough that Brandon Graham was, was coming in that morning. And, you know, he came in and hung out for an hour. And I asked him about Jalen Hurts. And we talked about this team. He was so excited about how good this team could be. He really believed they had something special with this group. And he's been totally, totally on, on point with that. And I asked him how he felt. And this was in the spring, right? So we weren't in close to training camp yet. We still had a ways to go before the season. And he said he felt brand new. He felt as good as he's felt in a long time. He felt ready to roll, and he's played like it. I credit the Eagles for keeping him fresh. Nick Sirianni, who I want to talk about in a second, all these rest days for these veterans, it's paying off for them and paying off for Brandon Graham. But, man, this guy's still got something left in the tank, and I'm so glad he's still a Philadelphia Eagle. He will be an Eagles Hall of Famer one day. What a career. What a special player. He's so, so good against the run. He's always been good against the run. And we know, obviously, what he's doing this year uh, against the sack, you know, as a sack artist. Um, I mean, really, you think about it, he's one sack away from tying his single season career, which I believe was nine and a half in 2017, the Super Bowl year. Imagine if I told you a year ago when he went down in week two against the 49ers that he would come back. 
he would play a big role on a on the on a big time team, and he would you know almost have, maybe have more than ten sacks when the season ends. You would have said what he's going to set his career record for sacks this year off of the Achilles. You would have said there's no chance, and here he is now doing exactly that it, it's it's so much fun to watch Brandon Grant play it always has been and I'm so happy for him that he's still playing at this high of a level I also want to make sure we give enough credit I feel like there's been one figure in Philadelphia sports around around this Eagles team this year that hasn't gotten the bouquet thrown at him as much as the other guys and, and I think there's reasons why but and that's you know it's Nick Sirianni now nationally and on the betting commu- betting market, he is the favorite to win coach of the year. I think Dan Campbell is now second with the Detroit Lions. The Lions are at a roll right now. But, you know, Sirianni second to win coach of the year. Or first, excuse me. He probably will win it. Eagles finished number one seed, best record. He's probably going to win coach of the year. But we haven't talked that much about Sirianni this year. And I think a couple of reasons are, well, he doesn't call offense or defensive plays. I think I, I said in the summer that was a little bizarre. It's a little weird to me. So, like, the credit Right, Jalen Hurts is getting the credit for the offense for the scoring. He's the MVP of the league. He's the quarterback. You know, he, and we know it's not Sirianni calling the plays. Now, his he gets a lot of credit for the offense. It's it's his offense. It's his scheme. Uh, he's developed Jalen Hurts, all that. But when we talk about the Eagles' offense and how many points they're scoring and how they're doing it, what, what do we talk about? We talk about Jalen Hurts. And the other guy we talk about with this team is Howie Roseman. He he built the team. He drafted Jalen Hurts. He traded for A.J. Brown, who's making a lot of plays. He drafted Devontae Smith, who's making all the plays, right? Like Howie's weapons, his quarterback, that's what we talk about. When things have been not so great this year, we've talked about Jonathan Gannon and the defense. There's been very little, and I mean good or bad, and there's obviously not much bad to talk about. This team's 12-1, but very little discussion on the job Nick Sirianni has done, but he's done an enormous job. And, and here's where I think he has set the tone for this franchise. Jalen Hurts says, says he sets the temperature. I believe Nick Sirianni has set the tone for this team. And you go back to the introductory press conference when Nick Sirianni was introduced, all those things he said he wanted to be the, this team to be, smart, efficient, tough, they're, they're all of those things. They play, this is like the perfect manifestation of, a, of the team taking on what the coach asked them to be and asked them to do. And that is they, they focus on the task at hand, they play tough, they play smart, they play physical, and they work their butts off, and there's never looking ahead. I, I loved, not liked, I loved that there was no celebration yesterday that they won the division. Bigger goals in mind, and they should have bigger goals in mind. The goal should be, you know, uh, you know, when they celebrate, when they, they win the NFC champion, uh, NFC title, NFC East title, excuse me, and a number one seed, if they could do both them, those in Dallas in a couple weeks, they should, they should obviously put some t-shirts on and celebrate. That's fine. They, they earned that. But you could tell the biggest goal here is to get to the playoffs, number one seed, buy, get to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl. That is the goal, and that's what it should be. This team has kept an ultra-laser focus for 99% of this year, and I credit the coach one, one at a time, one game at a time. He preaches that. They listen to him. I think he has been a really good blend of, you know, accentuating what these players do well, a teacher, they fix problems when they have them, whether it be penalties, run defense, whatever, they fix problems when they have them. And the players obviously respond to this guy. I I just, I give him so much credit for the tone of this team. Hertz sets the temperature, but the tone of the team and the focus of the team when you're this good and you're this far ahead of the pack, that's not easy. And I think he's done a remarkable job 
in that. And and really, it's probably the best part of his tenure. He has he's set the tone. Even go back to last year when they were struggling, two and five. He set the tone. We're growing every day. We're planting the seeds. And look at them. Look at the Eagles since that day in Detroit a year and a half ago now when they set the seeds were starting to grow on a good football team. Probably been the best football team in the NFL. Them and the Bengals maybe over the last you know year and a half record-wise. Chiefs probably in there. Bills. But that those are your best teams. And Sirianni, very, very, very you know, instrumental in all of this. All right, as far as the ESPN stuff, football power index, like in the Cowboys over the Eagles, there's one thing I think people are missing. Uh, and, and look, the football power index is numbers, it's analytics. You just It's, it's like the old BCS. You put it in a blender and you're going to get something out of it. It doesn't mean that anyone with, with a pair of eyes actually thinks right now, right now, that the Cowboys are a better football team than the Eagles. But one thing that I've noticed throughout the NFCs this year, and it's just not being talked about enough. Look, are the Cowboys good? Yeah. Are they explosive? Yes. Can they play defense? Yes. Can they rush the quarterback? Yes. You know, right? All those things. One thing that is odd about the discussion around the Cowboys and being in the same ballpark as the Eagles, which they're not right now, is that Dak Prescott's not playing at a very high level. He, he just isn't. I mean, Dak Prescott is throwing an enormous amount of interceptions this season and, and, and you know less time than most people, most quarterbacks, because he's been hurt. If you go this year to interception percentage, percentage of passes that have been intercepted, the best interception percentage in the NFL belongs to Jalen Hurts. 0.8% of his passes have been picked off. That's number one in the NFL. The other side of the coin, in terms of worst interception percentage, you know the most percentage of their passes that are picked off, Dak Prescott is second. The only quarterback that is worse is is Justin Fields. Okay, he, here are the bottom six in interception percentage. And you tell me which one doesn't belong. Because typically, I think you find in this mix, bad quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, and old-ish bad quarterbacks. And everything fits this criteria except one, the guy that in many people's minds is leading a team that is the favorite in the NFC, which is just bananas to me. Number one is Justin Fields, young quarterback. Number two, Dak Prescott. He's the one that doesn't belong. Number three, Davis Mills. Bad and young quarterback. Four, Matt Ryan. Old and now bad quarterback. Number five, Mariota. Bad quarterback. Number six, Kenny Pickett. Young and you know not, right now not good enough quarterback. So that's the that's the worst six. There's an interception percentage in the NFL. Passer rating wise, Dak Prescott's middle of the pack. Dak Prescott. If you put his numbers next to Daniel Jones, I would say Dak has been a little bit better. But I wouldn't say Dak has been much better than, than Daniel Jones this year. I mean, the numbers, uh, Prescott, 66.9%. Daniel Jones, 66. Um, interception percentage, way worse Dak Prescott. Okay, you go to yards per attempt. Yeah, he's better, 7.4 to 6.8. But adjusted yards per attempt, 6.9 apiece. Okay, passer rating, 92.2 Dak, 91.6 Jones. QBR, Jones. I mean, you know, you look at some of these numbers here for Prescott compared to some of the other quarterbacks around the NFL. It's not it's not great. I, I don't think Dak's playing at a high level right now. And I really do think it is absolutely a reason not to put the Cowboys on the same level as the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. Well, and we're here and with this this week and uh, lots to come on WIP this week. Be locked into the evening show every night, six o'clock this week. Bears Sunday. You know, whenever a team's this good, you think about trap games, think about like what could go wrong. Here's what I look at. The Bears are a wretched, wretched defense. Justin Fields is interesting, young. You see some similarities between him and Hurts a year ago with the running ability, and 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 he could take a leap next year. 
But the Bears' defense is wretched. They traded away Roquan Smith, traded away, obviously, um, you know, the Eagles picked up Robert Quinn for them. He hasn't done anything for them because he wasn't good and they went on the IR. But their defense has gone in the tank since then. This is a game the Eagles should dominate. They should put up a ton of points in this game, do whatever they want on offense. And it's another game to, to, to really add to the resume for Jalen Hurts to win the National Football League MVP. I believe he will. And, you know, it's going to set up a big game on Christmas Eve in Dallas. On You know, it's going to be the biggest game of the year. One thing to note, though, I believe the Eagles will win this week against the Bears. I would not be shocked if the Cowboys have a fight on their hands and maybe they could lose in Jacksonville on Sunday. You know, with the way the Eagles are playing, that game in Dallas will, will be billed very highly. The Eagles will be able to go to Dallas and win the game and clinch the division and clinch everything that day. That is on the table uh, coming up. It would be awesome. But there's also a world where the Eagles don't win that game and it doesn't affect anything. I, I really believe the Eagles could beat the Bears, beat the Saints. I'm not even sure they have to beat the Giants, but maybe they have to beat the Giants and still have everything. So we'll build up, we'll build up that Cowboys game. It's going to be an awesome game. The reality is the Eagles put themselves in such a great position that that game doesn't have the meaning. it, it And that's, that's a good thing, right? You, you, we don't want to have to go in there and like, oh, no, they have to win this game, third straight road game. No, that, that's not the case. Do you want them to? Do you want you know, to destroy the Cowboys at Christmas Eve? Of course. But the Eagles are in such a great position that I think almost regardless of how the math plays out, they will be the number one seed. They will win the NFC East. And I believe they're going to be in the Super Bowl. So much fun doing this. We'll do it again next week after the Bear game. On the feed, subscribe to the podcast. As always, wherever you find your podcast, and be locked in 6 p.m. every night, the WIP Evening Show. Thank you for listening. We're watching the best team in Eagles history. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.